Hey, this is Neil Mackay, your host of a Vietnam podcast. Now, before we get started on this episode, I wanted to share with you about one of my favorite affiliate partners, and that is Fiverr. I've been using Fiverr for years for everything from ordering YouTube thumbnails to keyword research, writing podcast articles, even to Canva designs and thumbnails and more. So whether you're a budding entrepreneur, a podcaster, or anyone in between, Fiverr has got you covered. It really is the go-to platform if you want to find freelancers offering a massive range of services to help you on any project. Maybe you need a stunning new logo or just a short animation, whatever you need, you can find it on Fiverr. What I love the most is how easy Fiverr makes it to connect with talented freelancers from around the world, all at prices that will fit whatever your budget is. Plus, with Fiverr's secure payment system, you can trust that your transactions are safe and secure. No dodgy people you meet on Facebook groups that disappear with your money and never give you what you want. What, that's only happened to me? As an affiliate partner, I will get a small commission if you use the link and at no extra cost to you. As an affiliate partner, I will get a small commission if you click my link and you buy something, all at no extra cost to you. And best of all, you will be directly supporting the making of this podcast that you're listening to for free, but it is not free to make. So why we head over to somewhere that you've probably never been before. It's called the show notes. So whatever app you're listening in, if it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anything at all, head to the show notes, click on my special link, and then you can browse thousands of gigs ready to help you with your next project. And now, let's dive into today's episode. Let's go. Hello, Mizuka. Hello. How are you? I am all right. Just another day in the quarantine facilities. D10. <laughs> so, uh, for everyone listening, welcome to the third episode of the special quarantine season, uh, which is technically season three of 7 Million Bites. If you've listened to previous episodes and you're coming back, thank you. If you're a new listener, welcome to the show. You can go back and get previous episodes on 7millionbytes.com or on Facebook, uh, not Facebook, on uh, Spotify, iTunes, all the places you get your podcast. And you can also get updates on the Facebook page, which is 7millionbytes. So I'm Neil Mackay. I'm the host, as always. And today I have a special guest who is also a fellow quarantee. Mm-hmm. or an inmate um and so just to give a bit of a background well first of all like thank you very much for joining us we have mazuka yasuda mm-hmm. that's it so mazuka uh actually <laughs> this is a maybe the first time i've ever my for my wife and i we both were saying yesterday it's the first time we've ever connected with someone online and then met them in the real world <laughs> um, so what happened was, if, if you've seen the Facebook page for 7 Million Bikes, when we first got here, we went on to Reddit and we did an AMA, which is an Ask Me Anything. And um, that that was um, 
that kind of blew up a bit. We got like lots of responses and um I actually had a few messages from like friends in the around the world being like, Did you guys do an AMA? We just saw it on Reddit. And then what happened was Mazuka was one of those people that read uh, AMA and was like, wait a minute, that sounds familiar. So she sent me a direct message saying, are you in quarantine in so-and-so? And I was like, yeah, that's us. She's like, I'm here as well. And so through that, she then connected with my wife on Instagram because my wife uses Instagram. I, d I don't really use that. And we, we added her to a, we've got a quarantine WhatsApp group with a whole bunch of people as well. We're all trying to keep each other informed and helping each other. Um, and then after that was what about well we've been here for nine days I think that was how long ago like seven, a week ago maybe mm, yeah Something it was the like night that. before you guys came in yeah and we connected I think about a, a day or two after we got here and then finally last night when we were out for our evening stroll we finally encountered each other at a distance with masks on but we were able to finally meet each other so thank you for being uh, on the show, Mizuka. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. And this is also the first ever time I've done a phone interview. So we're using Skype. So uh, we'll see how this goes. Hopefully it works and hopefully the sound quality will be good for anyone listening. So Mizuka, tell us, uh, tell me and tell everyone a little bit of a background. Basically, how did you end up in quarantine? Who are you? Where do you come from? And how did you end up here? So my name is Mizuka Yasuda. Um, I'm half Japanese, half Vietnamese. So I was born in Ho Chi Minh City with my parents and we live here. Um, I've been in the United States for school as a study abroad candidate. Um, and until recently, I was in Rochester, New York, um, home of Kodak, which I don't know if anyone knows, but yeah. Um, I was there for a couple while. Well, I was there for, I think it was my third year, and we were approaching our spring break. So this is going to be a, just to um, put it there that I, this is from a university student's perspective. I don't know how many like students you've interviewed. So um, you are the first yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, just uh, hopefully my naivete could be passed off. <laughs> But um, yeah, so we were going into spring break and um, we, well, we were in America and, well, I was in America and, you know, I heard about Corona around December and I knew my parents were in Vietnam and we hadn't really talked much about, much about it. So I didn't think it was affecting it heavily, although towards March, we started hearing a lot more happening. Um, my parents live on one of the major commercial roads and they were starting to tell me that a lot of the businesses were starting to close down and that this was going to be something a lot more serious. And I think that's when I really ticked or it hit for me knowing that this is a very serious concern. This was before WHO announced that it would be a pandemic. Um, yeah. And we were going into break and I had planned to go to Japan with a partner of mine um, in the second week of March. And we had already planned this for six months ahead and we were super excited and didn't really think it would affect our trip. But then we started seeing things being canceled online for places that we were going to go to in Japan, um, refunds and whatever. And we start getting anxious. My parents started telling me not to go. Um, 
and it was really difficult because um, both of us were really excited and we had put in a, quite a bit of money towards this, you know, as students. But then, um, you know, the more we thought about it, it was, it seemed more logical for us to not go to Japan considering what was going down, even with the Princess Diamond, Diamond Princess um, cruise ship and all of that. So we canceled our trip and we ended up going to Montreal um, just for a short break for a week. Um, we went to Montreal and Quebec City and honestly it was probably the better choice that we did that um, just because we didn't have to worry as much about potential travel bans between Japan and um, Japan and the US because at this point from the students perspective I was getting um, emails from our international student services at our college saying that they would highly advise us not to go to Japan and parts of Europe this was probably before they released the um, travel ban from Europe, between America and Europe. Um, and so things were just escalating while we were on this trip in Canada. Um, this was around then March 5th, is that right? If it's a, yeah, the travel was, ban was March 12th, right? Yeah, I think, yeah, this was in within the first week of March or second week of March. We were, mm. you know, watching the news roll in as it was just, <laughs> yeah, you know, just increasing and this immense like speed um every the news was different every day that we had new information and it just started looking a, a lot more real especially in the west um and so by the time i came back i started also receiving emails from my university saying that okay um school will be extended for a week um, we're going to figure out how things are going to go it might be just temporary don't worry about it and then two days later, we had another email saying, okay, we're going to be um, shutting down temporarily. Um, if you are students who live on campus, you may come back, but try avoid being on campus. Um, and then a day or two later, again, we received another email saying, okay, you guys have to leave by April 5th. Please get rid of all your things. We are closing the university um, location for the entirety of the semester um, but we even was, leave your stuff there no we couldn't leave our stuff there um, and they said they're going to what is it they are moving everything to online and so we'll have online classes moving forward um, so we were actually thankful that at least for my school that we got a week break extension of uh, our spring break because without that time, I think it would have been a lot crazier. We were also given so much more time, and it's not even April 5th now to move things out of our dormitories um, and living quarters. So that was good. I heard that there were a lot of other friends of mine in bigger city schools, and they were only given a three-day notice You know, from their first email of, we're closing everything, everything's shutting down, we will be online, move out right now, please. And it was crazy um i love how you got an email saying don't worry about it and then two days later it's pretty much like oh you should worry about it now mm -hmm, yeah no it definitely didn't feel right for sure um and around about this time we came back from canada we went by car but we went back in from the canadian border um and i was actually stopped at the border and i am not an american national my partner is 
So I started getting nervous, whether it was to do with my visa or is it a travel ban that we didn't hear of that may have changed in the last hour or so, but it was just a small mishap. Um, so thankfully it was okay. Um, we then, we got back though, and at that point my partner works for um, a IT company that's pretty global. Um, they're... The CEO of that company actually sent out a company-wide email saying that please work from home moving forward and have food stocked up for, you know, at least 45 days, you know, a month to two months. Um, and, you know, we didn't really think much of it until that, e well, I already started feeling worried, but my partner really like shifted gear after having received that email and said that, you know, I think this might be serious. Um, and his reasoning was that the CEO is on quite a few boards, um, executive boards with uh, President Trump. And so him having said something like that may mean that this is something that's a lot more serious. And so we hopped into the car and started our self-quarantine. I had a whole extra week of break at this point. Um, and my school wasn't completely shut down yet, but I, yeah, but we got onto the car and went for a quick grocery run. And this was the first time my parents messaged me saying that maybe I should consider going home. And I, I typically don't go home as much. Um, I only, since I've been studying abroad, I only go home once a year. Um, and it's only for short periods of time, like three weeks during winter break. So this would have been, you know, out of the ordinary. I do so to, you know, save a bit of money, um, try to use my resources in the U.S. But this was starting to feel a lot more real. And I think there's definitely an element of denial, you know, me being with my partner and feeling that it's probably a lot safer to stay in one place instead of going to airports as well. Um, but we still went out to the grocery store and it was really interesting because this was only the start of the toilet paper outbreak <laughs> in the U.S. Um, oh, paper gate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we went to Whole Foods, which is slightly nicer of a place. Um, at this point, we were in Rhode Island, which is a state right below Massachusetts sort of neighboring New York. Um, but it's a very Rhode Island. I used to live there. Oh, you did? Where were you at? Yeah, yeah. Uh, mostly kind of Wakefield, Narragansett area. Uh, oh, okay. I've got a lot of good friends in uh, Rhode Island. So if anyone's listening, hello. <laughs> oh my goodness. I love Providence. Providence is probably my yeah. most favorite city so far. Oh, cool. Yeah. But um, yeah, so we went to Whole Foods there. And you know that there's a lot of nice... Um, privileged folk around there and there's a lot of people who uses that Whole Foods and it was really interesting just seeing how crazy things were. They weren't limiting the amount of people who could go into supermarkets yet or the number of people who could go to supermarkets. Um, so we walked in and there were so many people. This was probably the first wave of um, people or working career people at the grocery store trying to hoard on stuff probably because um, their company also sent out a company-wide email, much like the CEO of my partner. Um, and yeah, we, it was really funny. We went to the meat aisle and 
the packaged meats. And the only things that were remaining was $20 veal, you know, fancy game um, or Cornish hens that were really, really small. Um, there's this woman. So you're going to have a, a bougie quarantine then? Yeah, for sure. And there's this woman just looking between the two and she picks up the tiny little packaged Cornish hen with her fingers and just kind of makes a face. And it's just <laughs> comical. Uh, yeah, and then we walked along a bit more into the produce section and, you know, there's an old couple and the woman is yelling at the man saying what do you mean there's no more asparagus or whatever they were talking about and there's a woman on the phone um actually there was low potatoes that's what it was she was saying what do you mean there's no potatoes and there were no potatoes for some reason i guess it's one of the produce that lasts longer so they were just hoarded all up um and then you know some people are on the phone um, they're talking, saying, yeah, the organic asparagus are all gone. Times are tough. And as comical as it is, and kind of ridiculous, it it's what we saw, you know. Um, so, yeah, but we were able to hoard quite a bit, and it was a month and a half. And at this point, I was talking to my partner, and we were saying, yeah, you know what, I should just probably stay here with you, limit the amount of travel for me, we're here safe, we have the stuff, we have the goods, um, so it should be fine, and I can just continue my education um, with my laptop if it's all online, but it just started escalating. My parents got more desperate, and they were saying, okay, you know what, there's a lot more travel bans happening here and there, mm. probably um, come home sooner, don't, and... What date was that around, do you remember? Um, I could pull up my phone. This was the weekend, the second weekend of March, so probably between, yeah, it all, like, shifted from 13, 14, 15, 16. Yeah. yeah. Which was about the same for us, yeah when things really started changing quickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, my parents were saying that I had to come home. Well, first it was maybe you should consider going home and then, oh, maybe you should contact the school and ask their administration what would happen with my visa status, with my education, had I left. Um, my father started saying things like as if um, I might not even go back to school for a whole nother year. And honestly, I don't know what to expect, but that is one of the you know, more serious um, scenarios that we could consider. So I wasn't sure about that. And I had to ask, but it was the weekend. So I had an excuse to say, you know, I still have to ask the school, but it's going to take a while. But it's from one day to another, it was constantly, well, this is happening and that is happening. We have this new information. I have my own information. But where are they reading their information? And, you know, it's, <laughs> I mean, to a certain extent, you you know, you have those parents or family members who read all sorts of things online, uncertain of um, it being fact-checked or whatever, and, you know, that's not just them, but it, it could also be me and other of my peers, um, you know, just 
pretty much reading the article titles and not really reading the rest of the article sometimes. Um, yeah, short information span, a short, yeah, short attention span. That's the Gen Z problem, I suppose. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, it was really nerve wracking. And I think I knew my parents were right, but I was trying to reason why it would have been better that I stayed in one place. And my partner and I kept saying that, well, we kept rating saying that, like, it's not affecting young people. It only affects older people. And, you know, two weeks later. I think later, everyone's gone through those stages, yeah. you know, in the beginning where I, I think, and I've seen a, some funny videos about it. Everyone goes through, like, denial in the beginning. Like, oh, it's just the flu. I mean, I know I've gone through this, you know. Oh, is it that big a deal? You know, and then... It doesn't affect, it's only, I'm all going to be okay because I'm young, but you know, now we're starting to understand the full picture. It's not about us being young or, or whatnot. It's about protecting the people who are vulnerable. But I mean, in the beginning, yeah, you don't, you definitely don't really think about that too much. Yeah, no, no, no. I was, I think, um, I think it, the fact that we chose not to go to Japan was our first turning point of this is serious and then we really limited everything you know washed our hands made sure every time even from montreal um, we started doing that and you know hoarding the food and everything but eventually it just built up and um i still had some things i needed to bring with me to in order to do my work online so i had to return to campus regardless and i ended up saying that you know i had to go back monday morning so i did um, I booked a train immediately and I decided to go to the train instead of going to an airport just because I felt that it could be safer. Um, my train ride would be 10 hours or nine hours. Um, mm -hmm. but I generally sit in the same place and it's relatively clean <laughs> and I wouldn't really move anywhere. So, yeah, yeah. and there wouldn't be as much contact with other people for sure. Um, so I chose, I opted for the train, even though my parents told me I should have flown. Um, well, they actually don't know I took a train. They just knew that I went back. But right. I still, that was me trying to take measures, thinking that that's the right decision to do. Um, but I went back up and on that long train ride, you now I had to go back and forth. And my parents were adamant that I go home. But that morning, she, my mom, um, message saying maybe you should stay and you know I'm getting torn left and right throughout this entire weekend um and eventually you know I bought the tickets it was a one-way trip I didn't know when I was going to come back um I my visa is actually going to run out soon so technically it's okay it's a good thing that I can leave and maybe renew my visa um but yeah so I bought the train I was going to ask oh, oh sorry on you go Oh, I bought the ticket for that Thursday. So I was coming back Monday, packing everything. That's when we, re that's also the date that I received the email saying that we should move everything off campus and that campus would be closed. So yeah, bought my tickets for, th for to fly Thursday morning. I would arrive Monday night, pack everything Tuesday, Wednesday, and then be back. So you're saying? <laughs> oh, yeah. 
So, yeah, no, I mean, just, it's just incredible listening to all of that and uh, empathizing with, you know, the, the back and forth and the being torn on decisions. And, and so ultimately, was it, the, was it the fact that your parents were worried and that you were worried that you may be locked out of Vietnam for a considerable period and then stranded in America? Or what, what were the reasons that you were thinking of staying in the States? Like, what, what was the ultimate decision, I guess, and the factors involved in that? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I knew how serious things were going to be. But I understood that if I was still in the United States, my partner had offered that I could stay with them. I could just stay and work and study, um, develop on other things, maybe still apply for internships, and I could still be there. You know, um, I have decent health insurance because I am automatically enrolled into insurance once I am a student. So. It wasn't going to be as bad. However, my parents started feeling that there weren't as measures um, set or infrastructure set into place in America as there were in Vietnam. You know, with these quarantine facilities, there's plenty of masks. Um, there's a lot of initiative. And, you know, this quarantine facility is free and they're doing tests. Yeah. So at this point, you know, I thought that it was fair that I should go home. The only thing was that if I left, I don't know if I could come back in. I also mm-hmm. followed um, on the train ride. I tried to search for um, the, I reached out to the national agency um, that works with offices that work with international students in America. Um, and they released a statement saying that they would not try to revoke our visas in this moment because it is difficult for everyone. Although they highly recommend, like they were saying that it might not be likely that if they left the country and needed to renew their visas that they could get the visa renewed because a lot of embassies are going to close are, and are, are probably closing um, and might not be open for quite some time. So that was definitely a worrisome thought because it's a visa that I need to get me back into the U.S. to finish my last year of my studies. Um, and so you I thought... you only got one more year left. Yeah, I have a year left, you know. Um, and, you know, food is, and everything is fine. I would still have my resources, and at least I would be in the same time zone as some of my peers, my professors, um, and other resources that I would like to use. But... I would be slightly cut off of that if I came back to Vietnam. However, at the same time, you know, my parents were worried that, well, what if I can't even go back home? But I wasn't thinking that it would last until December, you know, at least the most I feel that this would have lasted was until October. And I would come home December regardless. So I think it it would have died down then. I don't really return to Vietnam in the summer, so... I didn't feel much of a moment of stress there. Although my parents were saying that, well, what if, like, think of, what is it? Think of the worst case possible is that I get caught and I die or something like that. And if my parents can't come into the U.S. because of travel bans or something happens to my parents and I can't go home, then what of then? I think that really rung um, with me. Yeah. And, but it was. Jeez, exactly, I mean that that's really worst case scenario. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But but that's why I was saying that about. it's not affecting young people, you know. 
Mm. Um, and I was just trying to say that me going through, you know, flying from the U.S. to Vietnam, I go through three major international airports. So isn't that posing more of a risk? Like, what does, you know, that's not mm. really ideal is pretty much where I was coming from at that point. It's just, I yeah. sure, I, I would try, I would like to return. I think that would be better with that reason. But what am I going to get exposed to? And what if I bring that back to my parents? You know, there's that yeah, of guilt. Because that's where we, I think, and we talked about this when, when I recorded our episode, you know, on the earth flight back, we were just terrified. We had gloves on. We, we I think I mentioned, we had our own little corner where we just stayed in because we didn't want to get the disease and then bring it back, you know, and it's like, mm-hmm. but we have to get home. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I know I completely empathize. It's, it's pretty terrifying at that point, and especially if you're coming back to parents. Um, mm-hmm. It's definitely a concern. So you, you made the decision. You got on the flight on the Thursday, which was the day before we got back. Mm-hmm. Um, what were you expecting then to come back to? So, um, I just knew that I was going to come back and they, well, I didn't know how, but I knew I was going to be at a facility, some quarantine center. Um, I didn't really do much research upon that because the moment I arrived back in Rochester to clear everything and put things away and know try to organize all of that pack up my life over there figure out storage and bring it there and you know pack everything to go home it was I didn't really look at the news then I didn't really read much there I didn't know of the updates um and I was just going to let it happen as it does you know it's no point worrying because the outcome is still the same um I can be a bit of a realist like that which kind of helps um, mm. but I just knew that I was going to be in quarantine center, but we just got on the flight and that was that. But it's actually interesting, um, from the Rochester airport to Newark airport in New Jersey, um, my, my flight was United Airlines and no one was wearing masks, maybe myself and like one or two other people, but the flight attendant, the cabin crew, nothing at all. They acted fairly normal the flight was pretty empty but it was okay Uh, we all had some kind of distance and then Mm. my second flight from Newark to Narita airport was also United Airlines Um, and there were a lot of Japanese cabin crew members and they were all wearing their masks and in comparison to the American cabin crew member um, in my section at least the American Caucasian woman um, was wearing a mask herself. It was not the same as the Japanese cabin crew members, but she was wearing a mask. And there was one male American cabin crew member and he he didn't really wear a mask and he seemed just as he would be, um, you know, all relaxed and very welcoming and smiling. Um, but on that flight, once we got seated, the Japanese cabin crew members actually tried to separate our seats um, because it was still a fairly open air, open um, flight. So she moved some of us saying that we should all sit far apart from each other, which is actually kind of great um, that they did that. I think it's a good way to you know, take that into their own hands. It wasn't really said on the PA system, but she would say, if you are next to each other, sit one person aside, or you over there, there's some seats over there, please move over there, and, you know, all of that. 
So that's great. Yeah, they didn't yeah. do that on our flight at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then we arrived in Japan, and there was so much more masks. Newark Airport started showing some other masks too, and a lot of the entertainment and lounges were closed um, at Newark Airport. At the Japanese airport in Narita, there were actually still some lounges open. A few stores were open, but masks everywhere for sure. There's a lot more people.、Um, And I was on the All Nippon Airway flight,、um, and actually on the PA system, they said that they had added something else, which was, you know, if you are coughing or sneezing, please don't let that splash around next to you, <laughs> and please contain it. <laughs> which was was really funny to hear, especially when spoken in Japanese.、Um, it wasn't really said in English though in their translation, but、um, I thought it was an interesting thing that they added. That's lucky for you, so I'm assuming you can speak Vietnamese, Japanese, and English. Yeah. <laughs> so I got to. Handy in the airport when they're giving giving out warnings in Japanese then. Mhm, mhm. Um. But yeah. So we got back, and at this point, I really, I think it was just great to not be connected to the internet for a good moment <laughs> in the air,、um, just because all the I would. All that it would do for me to read more news is just to let me understand, but it really doesn't help with how I feel about the situation and what is going to happen. I just know I'm going to be in quarantine. But my parents did message a few times here and there, saying, "Okay, it looks like you'll be quarantined for 10 days." And then by the time I arrived, someone,、uh, one of them said, "Okay, so I see that apparently you can pay your way to be at a, ho- a hotel quarantine facility, or you're just going to get." Put into some quarantine facility. I don't know. Ask about it. Did、uh, you? So did you? Your parents? Sorry, you, your parents said that to you before you got here, or before you got here? That's when I landed. No, that's when, when I landed. landed. Yeah. Because、um, we found、before. that out after, but when we already got here, that apparently a hotel was an option, but it was too late by that point. And also, I think we we read somewhere it was going to be like a hundred dollars a day, which. When you, if you're going to be here for 14 days, that's a pretty huge expense. Oh yeah, no, for sure. Actually, my parents said that it would like my mom said if it's just twenty dollars a day, that's the most that she would go. You're right, I, right, yeah. Yeah, but my dad said no,、nah, it would be fine. But in the end, I didn't really have the chance to even ask about it. I was just equally as confused, and、mm-hmm. it was late. I'd just rather go through the motions. How bad can it be? You know. Paid or not paid, so、um, I'm not too picky. So my parents. So, so you arrived at the airport, and、mm-hmm. then we I'm assuming you had a similar experience as us, apart from didn't have the drama of nearly being sent back on a flight because you you have a Vietnamese passport, right? I do I do? Thankfully, yeah. Actually, that would have、um, affected me at the Japanese airport had I not shown my Vietnamese passport,、um, mm-hmm. because at the Japanese airport. Once we, as soon as we landed, we were told that we should go to a transfer、um, counter and or connecting flight counter to make sure that we have all the visas and everything because I'm sure they were trying to keep up with different countries' laws and helping make sure that they can take certain guests from different nationalities to the next country that they need to go to. So,、um, so it was. It was interesting. I never really had to do that when I, I've done a connection before in Narita, but I did. And then once we were trying to board at the gate, there were a lot of people getting stopped. 
and told to no way. yeah to getting told that they couldn't get on the plane or that they had to wait for a moment there was probably 20 people standing around and I was also one of them but I just showed them what that I had my Vietnamese passport and it yeah, worked yeah. out but it that was, was our concern mm-hmm. that we were going to get stopped on the flight to even get here but when we when we got to the desk she went went through all of her documentation she's like yep yep you'll be fine so we, we at that point we were like okay it looks like we're going to get back to Vietnam but we still were unsure what was going to happen next yeah, it was really heartbreaking, for sure. They're just watching some other families who are Vietnamese and not being able to um, go home. And, you know, some of them, they were just begging to, like, let them go back. But they don't have the Vietnamese nationality anymore because they have a U.S. passport and citizenship instead. Right. Yeah. So I'm surprised. So why, why did you end up, how did you get put in quarantine then? Because even on the flight that we arrived on the day after you, we're well, not 100% sure, but we're fairly certain that there was a lot of Vietnamese nationals on that flight were allowed to to go home and self-isolate. Again, I'm not, we're not 100% sure on that. So why were you not given the option then as a Vietnamese citizen to go home? Why were you directed straight to quarantine? Because I came from the U.S. At this, right. oh. By the time I was still in the U.S. preparing to go home, it was already on the list of places that was to be quarantined the u.s would have been if you were from the u.s my parents had last told me that i would be quarantined for 10 days but by the time (laughs) i got here went through the health department or health officials um i was told that i had to be quarantined for the full 14 days that's right because the difference with our flight was coming from australia which wasn't on the list so that would be why those people would have gotten through and gone home to quarantine or self-isolate that 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 would have been the difference so um from our conversations online and through chat um we're both in the same facility you're in the building that's just opposite ours but it seems like we've had quite different experiences in terms of food in terms of the information we've received in terms of you know i don't know living quarters are pretty similar but do you want to explain to any of the listeners who've maybe listened to already me the description that Adrian and I have given and with Anastasia of our experience in quarantine how has that experience been for you? Um, so I think I guess we, everyone knows that this is a university dormitory that got makeshift into a quarantine facility. Um, we arrived fairly late and I couldn't really tell what that would look like. I've never been at a Vietnamese university before or a dorm. Um, here so it was interesting just trying to get in there weren't that much of us there was probably two or three buses they told us to leave our luggage um go in write out some forms had our temperatures taken and they just sprayed they hosed down our luggage in this meantime it was really shocking when i went to get the back it was drenched um, yeah soaked and bleach right yeah um but i got to I went in and, you know, I, I traveled solo. There was other few people who traveled solo. So I was surrounded by other ladies who, I don't know, we're, we're just in our own bubble. Um, but we tried, we found each other and got to be in our own, in our room, the four of us. Um, so we've been in this room. It, it's been okay. Sorry, just 
could you repeat the question again? <laughs> yeah, sorry, I'm getting distracted as well because we have people at the door right now asking questions and I'm like, oh, what do they want? Is it temperature? Is someone tested positive for COVID? Who knows what's going on? Uh, the question was, how has the quarantine been for you and how has it been different for us? So you, you talk about, you, you, we've talked about how there's the three of us here. Who's, who are you in a room with? Because you said you are, you're with other solo travellers. Yeah, so um, we weren't allowed to go up to a room until there was four people. Um, so it's me, a Vietnamese high schooler, but she was going to school in the U.S. and California. An older lady, probably between 60s and 70s. She was visiting family for six months in the U.S. I don't know where, but she came back. Um, and then a Malaysian slash Singaporean national who was here for work. Um, slightly older, probably in mid-20s. But it's the four of us. Um, yeah, we got to our rooms and you know, we weren't given anything. There's only straw mats on our bunk beds. We closed the door and just passed out for the night. Um, and honestly, we didn't know how many like how many people were here. There was only there's only three buses when we came, so the process was fairly fast, and we got to our room a little sooner than um, your building, actually. But we got here, and I couldn't sleep that night as much because I had jet lag, and I woke up, and I started seeing, you know, eight buses piling around the block of your guys' building, and that had continued all the way until morning, um and following to the next day and there's so many people standing outside so i think it was good that we didn't really have the experience um i suspect that that's one of the things that was different was that our building filled up fairly quickly um but without too much hassle um but yeah we woke up the next day and um weren't sure where to go but we knew that we needed to go somewhere to gather some information so we went down to the lobby where we um, filled out our forms and uh, saw that there were people just picking up stuff just bags of equipment and or whatever was needed so all of each of us had gotten a little you know supermarket bag filled with slippers one small pink towel kind of like a facial towel um, 14 packets of shampoo, 14 packets of body wash. Um, for those of you who can't picture it, think of the little ketchup packets you get from McDonald's, but shampoo and body wash is in those. So that's, that's a what great we have. description. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, all over. If, you've, if you're from Vietnam or you live in Vietnam, you know exactly what you're talking about. But other countries, we don't have them, right? <laughs> no. But that's amazing that you, so that's one of the big differences because, yeah, I remember you told us you got this, like, package of things like shampoo, towel, slippers. We got, like, nothing on the first night, which is fine, but we got nothing on the next day. Everything we got, we luckily got through care packages. So we had people send us cleaning supplies. Luckily, we had some shampoo. Um, Anastasia had some slippers sent because she didn't have any footwear. We didn't mention this on Anastasia's podcast because she was on a business trip. She literally only had really business clothes with her. She didn't have like any clothes to just hang out in. So I had to lend her a pair of shorts. She got some t-shirts sent. Um, so that was a, that was a difference. I remember when you said that you got all that stuff, we were like, what? We didn't get any of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, we also had a toothpaste. Some of the bags came in toothbrush. Um, I don't know if there's anything else. 
but I think that was the gist of it, and that came with breakfast. Um, and breakfast was great I that imagine, day. I imagine by the time we got here, they just run out of all of that stuff, which is which is fair enough because there was so many people coming. Um, and then, so from our communications on message stuff, so the food situation for for your building and for our building has been quite vastly different as well. We seem to get consistent meals there's never been a problem with them uh quite repetitive but that's fine um what what's the situation been with your meals because they seem it's not as good as ours from what we've been discussing well i feel like we yeah i'm also just really surprised because it seems like our building were the people that came first so we should have it equal or if not better or i don't know something like that but here we are and We've had breakfast almost every day, um, and it's a variety, actually. Um, it sounds like your guys' building has a lot of, you know, pork buns, bao, or whatever, but we've been yeah, having one day. Every morning. <laughs> yeah, over here we've had rice porridge congee, or rice noodle, or um, one of the days we've had the option for bao, but I haven't seen that option since. We had banh mi one morning. So banh mi, we've not had banh mi ones. I love a banh mi. Rice cakes. Um, yeah. Oh, Are you actually. Car building. <laughs> speaking of banh mi, did you get any food when you're at the airport waiting to be put on a bus? We did. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. They, they broke open a bag of like croissants and milk and stuff so that yeah I mean that in terms of that it's just been really impressive how prepared they are how much stuff they have for us anything about like repet- repetition of food is, is I'm just joking because I'm just <laughs> grateful for what, what what we're getting but it's just quite funny that you're the building over and you've been getting a variety of stuff but then at the same time so you said a few times that your food has been come spoiled or, or yeah. unedible because it's out for too long whereas our food comes often it's either still warm or it, we've never had any spoiled food or anything like that that's right mm-hmm. so yeah food um yeah so it looks like our foods are coming from all sorts of places there's little stickers sometimes that you can find where it's coming from it's coming in you know big bags or whatnot but i think it might be because of the weather and that they're accommodating mm-hmm. a larger number of people that they might have to start cooking it much earlier. And so having that, you know, transported in these metal vans, it's heating up very quickly and things are arriving spoiled, actually. Yeah. It's kind of appalling. Um, apparently, there's also like a radio system here in the building, but it's really hard to see it or hard to hear with the muffled tones. Um I sometimes have trouble picking up hearing some Vietnamese here and there and it's because I speak multiple, but it's just, it's a lot harder with the radio. So I miss out on a, a few things, but mm. for the first day, Do it you seems... feel... Yes? On you go. No, you oh. continue. Okay. So on the first day, it seemed like we just went down to pick up everything, which didn't seem quite as sanitary, but, you know, we came down for breakfast, lunch and dinner to pick up. Our stuff so we thought that was the norm but then we were told that from day two that we had to stay in our rooms and that food would be delivered to us so that was really interesting um and actually on day two we started having a lot of you know items that were spoiling whether it was soups or vegetables it was always one or the other and it's kind of you know it's sour and it, you definitely know it's not 
right to eat. Um, but there's been a variety of, you know, we've had fish some days, um, cabbages or morning glory or um, pumpkin soup and watercress soup and pork or chicken. So there's been a wide variety. So that's been nice from time to time. Um, noodles. But day two or three, we did not really get to eat until well, we didn't even have lunch. Um, things started coming late or they didn't really tell us that we had to go down and pick up food ourselves. And so we were just stuck here, just hungry, and it was, it's been weird. Um, because mm. we they, never missed a meal. Yeah, no, we missed a meal. And, um, and day three, they started telling us that we couldn't go outside of our room at all because they had a high suspect. Um, there's a potential case from our flight that came with us. So they were waiting on results from then. Um, and so we couldn't even leave the room. So, but they at least gave us like a hotline that we can call and ask. So I've just been, and my roommates and I have just been calling to ask, do we pick up our food or do we go, or is it getting delivered? That's literally something I do now almost every day before a meal, just to check. Being able <laughs> Being able to speak Vietnamese, do you feel more informed? Do you feel you get more information? No, not really. Um, I think it's difficult because I can speak Vietnamese on the day-to-day, but most of my education has been in English. So, you know, advanced languages like the term quarantine is something I had to learn being here. <laughs> um, you know, there's a lot more... Uh, advanced vocabulary to do with the government or things that processes and systems and that has mm. been a bit of a challenge. Um, Got to learn a new type of Vietnamese, quarantine Vietnamese. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and exactly. how did that feel when you found out that there could have been a potential case on your flight? Um, I wasn't surprised just because I've been following the um, Ministry of Health's website on all the cases um, that are coming in. And I saw that the same flight of mine for two days before had a case, um, had a confirmed case the night before that and the night before that as well. So I felt that I was nervous, but I had a feeling that that would be the same for my flight too, that there might be someone. But I've been following it since, and really there's been no response, so I think my flight may have been able to skip out on a case. And you've been tested now, right? Like, it took you a long time to get the first yeah. COVID test, right? Finally. It was yesterday. I came in last Saturday night or Friday night. Ten and days? Yeah, ten days, and I finally got my COVID test, whereas you guys got it on Wednesday instead of Sunday. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And we've also now heard about that you need to have had two negative COVID tests before you leave. Have you heard this? No. Yeah. Well, I only heard from you guys last night. <laughs> so everyone hears from someone. We don't. No one knows really anything for sure. But um, exactly. so that's what we're now hoping that we get a second COVID test soon, so that we can uh, that will because apparently we get a certificate when we leave to show we're negative. So we're all going to get that framed and uh, mm-hmm. show that <laughs> off to people. Perfect. Oh, actually, I was going to ask you guys, did you guys get your discharge paperwork 
Because we have no, so we. Yeah, we're very jealous. So you you should be discharged on Friday, right? And today yeah. is Monday. What was the discharge paperwork? Um, it basically just says your name, where you lived in the facility, and then if you want it to be dropped off and where you want it to be dropped off, okay. or if you're having someone pick you up, what date and when. But it had to be exactly 14 days. The only thing is, it says it has to be 14 days from the time you're here, and it's hard to understand because I didn't, could I just, it seemed like they weren't checking, so could I just have written like a day earlier they wouldn't have noticed <laughs> and they said it would have to be in the morning or the afternoon and i also also thought well i could always just say get me out at 8 a.m but i don't know but they came yeah, around so to pick it up so. well i think that um that's good that's enough i think we've shared uh, your story Thank you for sharing that. Because what I'm just finding so interesting is the more people you talk, everyone's just got their own story, which is always the case no matter what, but especially in this situation, um, no two stories are the same. Mm -hmm. And I think everyone's kind of gone through the same stages of, of you know, like you kind of mentioned, almost denial, then acceptance, and um, trying to figure things out, and then having competing and conflicting opinions and, and reading so much. I think that seems to be the same the world over. But overall, how how are you doing? Um, I think that it's a little bit more positive now. Just waiting for a couple more days. I've been trying to stay optimistic, but uh, you know, it's hard to do. So I think I'm on my tenth TV show. Don't tell my parents. <laughs> Which so what TV shows have you been watching? Share share with the world. Everyone needs advice on what to watch. Oh, I. I caught up on Terrace House, which is a Japanese reality TV show, which is nothing like a typical American TV show, American reality TV show. Really fun. I highly suggest it's just a bunch of people living in a house together and in their day to day. And it's kind of wholesome. But I caught up with that. I watched um, Next in Fashion and other Oh, I started a little bit of Travels with My Father, which is a great kicker if um, you like to see what a potential relationship between a child and father could be when the father is... That's, is that with Jack Whitehall? Yes. Yeah, that's right. I haven't seen it, but yeah, I know the one. And yeah. have you watched Tiger King? Oh, I've heard about it, but I think I'm going to save it to watch with my mother. All right, you got to watch. <laughs> One. Now we're going to finish with uh, I've some questions that I asked Adri and Anastasia yesterday, so I'm going to finish every uh, interview with these questions. If you're in quarantine, what's the first thing you're going to drink when you get out of quarantine? Mm. Mm. I just want some good Japanese green tea. I don't like drinking water for some reason so i've just don't like drinking water i know i know that's all we have here (laughs) i know it's the tastelessness of it so i was surprised i was excited when i saw that you guys had milk (laughs) (laughs) we have lots of milk they keep bringing us milk with every meal and we don't and it's sweet milk so we can we'll, we'll bring you some milk yeah no milk to come with our meals at all just soup rice and meat and veg yeah I mean, I've had, yeah, 
I've had some sugarcane juice and coconut that was delivered to me by my mom. So I think those were things I definitely really wanted to drink. But green tea is good for now. That was before the delivery stopped. Those were the heady days. Get deliveries. Mm-hmm. So we get green tea. Uh, what is going to be the first thing you're going to eat when you leave? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think the food has been pretty good so far. So I'm not craving anything crazy. But I think I'd like some fresh fruits. Um, That's I've what we all said. Fresh fruits and vegetables. Yeah. Um, What's the first thing you're going to do when you get home? I think um, shower and put away my laundry. <laughs> yep, same answer from us. I'm going to have to think of new questions. Everyone is going to say the same thing. Uh, and then last one is tell me something positive about this experience. I mean, I haven't really seen it as too negative. It just, now I get to be, I get to put that in my, you know, fun facts about me whenever they have those questions. Like, oh, give a fun fact about yourself. And I'm like, I was in a government-owned quarantine facility. You'll never get old. 30 years from now, you'll still be bringing that out, won't you? Oh, yeah, no, my grandchildren would hate it. (laughs) <laughs> like granny we've heard this story before we know we know <laughs> yeah and you can't really complain too much it's like they brought me three meals a day they brought me water i had my cell phone it's not really like a it's not really a war story is it <laughs> no i mean there's been wi-fi too although it's yeah. not been great since you guys arrived when we got here i know well thank you very much i think we've uh, we've nearly chatted for about an hour so um that is awesome i appreciate you uh, sharing your story um and we will bring you over some milk as soon as we can (laughs) thank you all right have a good day and good luck you've got four days left right so hopefully you'll get out on friday yep see you guys then (laughs) And we'll see you on the outside. Once this is all over, we're going to meet up for a a big party and a drink. Oh, definitely. Quarantine buddies. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're like me, you may use your laptop at places where you have to use public Wi-Fi. This opens you up to digital snoopers. It's a massive problem. It can be your internet service provider, or you know who, looking at what you do online or a cyber criminal trying to steal your bank passwords or credit card info, or even a hacker at the next table trying to steal your sensitive data. These days, it is vital that you keep your data safe. NordVPN keeps all of these snoopers away. It makes your internet activity private, protects you from accessing dangerous websites that are fishing for your data, and lets you enjoy your favorite content securely, even while away from home. And it's easy to use, even I could use it. I've actually been using NordVPN for years now here in Vietnam, and I'm excited to be an affiliate partner with them. I've used NordVPN to watch Netflix, BBC, Disney Plus with ease, and I also know that my information and data are safe from prying eyes, whoever they may be. Join now and you'll get 68% off and three months free when you go to my link, nordvpn.com forward slash smb. Just again, for those hard of hearing, NordVPN, 
facebook.com forward slash SMB. The link is also in the show notes. I know nobody checks them out, but go check that out and you can get the link from wherever you are listening to this podcast. As an affiliate partner, it also means that I will get a small commission when you sign up, but at no extra cost to you. So not only will you be getting a great deal through 7 Million Bikes, you get a great VPN and you'll be supporting 7 Million Bikes podcast. Stay safe online and enjoy the shows you love. Any questions, just let me know. You know how to get in touch with me. And thanks for listening to this show. Cheers. Cheers.